So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, the last episode for the 2021 NRL season. Bittersweet, bit sad, but also, you know, it's a long season, so need to get to the end eventually, so it's good. Can put my feet up a bit afterwards, but needed to think of something real special to do for the final episode ahead of round 25, the final round of the NRL Supercoach season, and I couldn't think of anything more special than a three-way for the last one. So, Billy Marion is on board, and we also have Luke Garrity on board, so both the boys that have come onto a number of the podcasts this year. Boys, I'm excited. Billy, Luke, welcome aboard, boys. It's uh, it's It should be a good one. I... Looking forward to it, mate. Feels like the uh, the octagon, so yeah, looking forward to having a chat with Luke, mate. Um, not that you're getting stale, but it's nice to uh, hear something else about Newcastle on air. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, we can get this done. I figure that three of us gives you a good chance of sort of cutting out some of the crap I have to say and cut me off a bit faster so we actually get this done in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's worked out pretty well because, like, we've got um, a Newcastle fan, an Eels fan, a Roosters fan. All three of us are going to be in the finals this year. So, you know, it, it, we've got all that in common and all three of us are going to be really bitterly disappointed in about two to three weeks. Yeah, all of us are going to be in the finals <laughs> for one week. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> uh, I don't think Billy's counting his chickens with Parramatta either, that's yeah. for sure. I think he's he's probably more... You know, you I've said before, Luke, that you're one of the more... Uh, narcissistic Knights fans, and uh, you know I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, honest with my Roosters assessment this year. I'm not expecting much at all. I'm just happy to make up the numbers. But Billy is like Billy doesn't even watch his team. Sometimes he's, he doesn't believe in it that much. Do you, Billy? <laughs> Mate, I believe in him. I just like making money. <laughs> Later, fuckers. <laughs> well, um, this this episode. The three of us are going to be on here. I mentioned it's going to be the last one, guys, for the season uh, because it's ahead of round 25. Round 25 is absolute carnage. It is a terrible round. It is awful for Supercoach. It is awful, awful for real life. There's a lot of games that just uh, are not going to even resemble an NRL match with some of the names that are out there. So I'd rather just do a season review podcast as a round 25 one. So we are going to talk about round 25 a little bit. But we're not going to focus on it hugely, so we're going to have a little segment at the end on round 25, just on targeting some pods and various players for this week that you could, as well as some captains and vice-captain choices that we'll all argue about. But the other thing we're going to do, the bulk of the pod, is going to be a season review with me, Billy, and Luke talking about our seasons so far and how they've gone, which, you know, it's it's not going to be much of a love story. It's certainly going to be a bit of a sad story, but, you know, it's always good to get that out. There is some positives still, and I think that it's really good. Like, it's it's quite cathartic, I think, boys. Like, Luke, I'm sure that you'll find it quite cathartic after watching your nights this year and mm-hmm. sort of getting it all off your chest and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, tried, I've been trying to avoid watching them lately. I've, I've, had, I've sat through all of it. I mean, I've never been so upset in a uh, winning streak in my entire life. <laughs> I can't believe it. Well, I mean, it's it, it should be at least positive, reminiscing about the good moves that all three of us have made, and we've certainly made good moves. It's, it doesn't make a doesn't it, it doesn't make a huge difference when you make a couple of bad moves. It really hurts you a lot more than the good ones. It feels, but we'll we'll chat about all that and a few interesting things that we've found for this Supercoach season in a bit of a 2021 review. Uh, aside from that, 
Uh, at the end of the podcast, I do have a pretty exciting announcement. If you do want to listen to some podcasts and things in the future, I've got a bit of news that I'm going to share with everyone. So at the end of the podcast, make sure that you keep tuning in because I'm going to tell you all about it then. But I do, firstly, before we get stuck into our season review, need to mention our fantastic partner, Top Sport. So Top Sport, 100% Australian-owned bookmaker, really helped me out with this podcast by partnering with me and ensuring that I can keep on going and offering it to everyone for free like I do. Uh, they are Phenomenal with their NRL odds. That's what you want to get there for. But certainly their other sporting odds are great too. So even after the finals finish, don't don't think that you shouldn't go near Top Sport because their MLB, their NBA, their NFL that's coming up, everything's fantastic on Top Sport as far as the odds that they offer often being the best in market. So if you are going to jump on and have a gamble, do it responsibly, but make sure that you keep using the Supercoach All-Stars promo code for this podcast. That's just SC All-Stars. They'll know that you're one of our listeners, and that way they'll know to take real good care of you and to send you relevant info that you might be really interested in as well. So jump on Top Sport, fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast, and we'll continue to be in the future. But on that note, boys, now that that is out of the way, uh, we are going to review our seasons and talk about a few things. The first thing that we're going to talk about you know, it's the top three worst moves or, or calls of 2021. The things that really irked us the most about our seasons as mistakes or killed our seasons or we think really affected them the most. So I'll, I'll go up first, okay? So I'll, I'll just hit you up because I've just got that many things that I can talk about. But the thing for me first up that I did wrong was I missed Ruben Garrick. Now, it has absolutely stung me every single week. Uh, and I did mention on a podcast probably oh, three months ago now that somebody, one of the listeners brought up Ruben Garrick and I sort of, you know, I, I didn't say to them not to do it um, from memory. I, I just sort of said, well, Ruben Garrick's never done anything in his life. Mainly does have a good draw. Uh, maybe he will do something, but he's averaged 41 points in 2020 and 52 points in 2019. I mean, what does a good draw really look like? Are you hoping for 60? I don't even, I don't think it's worth it. There's probably too many better options. Everybody knows the story on Ruben Garrick's, Ruben Garrick's season. He's, uh, he's averaged 86 points for the season. That would have put him as like the best super coach option last season. <laughs> that would have been unheard of for someone like Ruben Garrick. And he's just, the last two weeks, he's gone 59 and 50. But the three weeks before that, I was in the fetal position. 199 versus Para absolutely killed me. And the 110 and the 110. Ruben Garrick has nine tons for the season. Like, that is just incredible statistics. And some of those tons, 199, 169, 156, 128. Four of his 23 games were 150-plus Nine of his 23 games, he tunned up. Like, it is just absolutely unheard of. And the thing that hurts even more is that if you take out the first five weeks of the season, he's from round six when they had a really good draw kick in, he just went on an absolute tear, and he actually averaged over 100. Like, you, you could not make this stuff up. And if somebody said this to me before the year that one of my biggest regrets of the season was not going to be getting Ruben Garrick in. I would have, I, I'm a pretty polite guy, you know, and I respect different opinions on Supercoach and stuff, and there's more ways to skin a cat than what I come up with, so I'll always listen. But I would have laughed at that person. I would have dead set laughed, laughed them out of the room, Billy. But you, you did identify Ruben, you know, at least halfway through the season. I didn't take your bait then, Billy, and I, I didn't take <laughs> it. Um, I think that I chose Sean Johnson over him for that buy round, and that was the final straw in my disappointment with Ruben Garrick and his 86-point average this year, Billy. Yeah, I see why he didn't do it, but the, 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 only, the only reason why it was a, um, 
uh, a decent establish because he switched from that right to left, mate. It's kind of like the uh, Alex Johnson effect. You put AJ on the right, and he's going to do nothing too. It's just that when you've got a dominant player that just constantly feeds that way, and he's a sharp shooter, and you just add the draw, mate. It's just it's not so much a great player, just guy guy falling over the line fifteen times a game. Kind of helps out. Kind of helps out your uh, your thought process there. But yeah, but you know what? Like I'm a little bit. Like, I don't like to give myself excuses. So I, I actually said that to myself, and I had your voice going in my head about Ruben Billy. And then I said to me, hang on, Jorge Tafua, big Jorge. He was on that side before. He didn't do shit. He was, he was not, he was not good at Supercoach yeah. either. So. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Turbo's out half the time. He, he doesn't kick goals, and you gotta remember the rules haven't changed in the last 18 months when it actually benefited him. So. <laughs> Uh, well, at least you got on, Billy. I mean, Luke, you did you jump? Well, that's did you jump thing. on Luke? You, you jumped on Ruben Garrick, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I got him at the right time. I only missed one of those big daddy scores, and that was before anyone was on him. I sort of identified that I was going to get him next week, and he went 150 or something the week before. So I was a bit dirty about that because I got joined by a lot of people. Um, I'm going to defend uh, the great Jorge <laughs> there. He did like he was actually a keeper in about 2013 one season, the, like the year that Mansour was coming through. Him and Mansour were the um, 60 average wingers out, out and hit ups on the wing. So let's not forget what happened. Oh, that was the, uh, the Felipe Mateo um, Renaissance season with Manly as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I assure you, I was on that. I didn't miss that. Um, <laughs> But look, uh, with with Garrick, I think he, he is a lesson because he's a lesson that people miss all the time and I don't understand why, is that people come out and go, this wing is good at super coach or that wing is good at super coach. No, they're not. Look who's playing inside them. Look where the attack goes and pick them up. Like Billy said about Alex Johnson, you want to go look at Sean Johnson? Go look at Sean Johnson. Have a look at what Sione Katawa averaged um, when Sean Johnson went to Cronulla and have a look what David Fusatua's average did. He went from scoring 20 tries in a season to scoring about three and he halved his average and Mamalo went from average scoring five tries to scoring 20 because the Warriors had Blake Green and they like to go to the left. And you've got to look at, that, look at that team, look at their best playmakers, look at where they spread the ball, and those are the backs you want to be on. You want to be on the backs and the good teams that have the really good players feeding them the ball. Just forget about who the winger is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Seriously, it yeah. doesn't matter. And just, just a quick one. On, on top of what Luke's just saying there, if you go and have a look at that 5-8 heat map that someone circulated about three, three weeks ago, Turbo's hotspot, 80% of the hotspot was about literally five metres in from that, that corner, like just right right, right inside him. Look, I'll, I'll give you guys all of that, right? Um, I guess the other couple of counters is, and I, I, I like to be honest with myself, but like I, I have these internal arguments where like I'll, I'll run myself over coals more than I should, but then I'll get up and try and defend myself right afterwards. And the two things that I sort of think about as well are, one... I don't think any of us thought that Manly was going to be this good this year. Like that's that's the other thing. You've got their back three have scored like I think twenty three, twenty two, and twenty tries this year. I don't think any of us thought that they were going to go that good. So that's one thing where I'm going to say, okay, well, it, it was a bit harder early on in the season to think that. I actually thought that some teams playing Manly were going to have a softer game at times. Um, and certainly without Turbo at the start of the year, they, they didn't look very good. But that's obviously without Turbo. And the second and final thing that I add is. Now that the like the numbers are in basically for the season and stuff, we've actually got like we, we've bandied about you know ten percent extra scoring. It's actually been a, almost fifteen percent extra scoring this year so far, on top of what the normal scoring was. So we've got a fifteen percent inflation, which is kind of you know he's Ruben Garrick's last year's score would have been more like seventy three or something like that. Um, so yeah, you, know, you can kind of. 
you can kind of say this is a bit of an outlier season altogether, but it's probably going to continue. Uh, I think that part of me not getting him on early on was just that we've never really seen this from the season before. Like, where you just, you know, next year, if we think the season's going to be the same, you're just going to load up in centre wing, right? Like, you're just going to get centre wings that you think are going to score tries and kick goals, and the same with all the rest of your backs, and not even worry about your forwards, right? I was just going to say, um, I was having a look at um, Timmy's team about three or four weeks ago. I, I wanted to have a look at it and think, oh, this, this thing must be absolutely shit hot. And the backs are, the halves are, the, um, his fullbacks, but his second row was full of dog shit. Yep. Like, yep. It's, and, if, and, if you go, and, if, and if you go and have a look at it, like honestly, which second row forward, apart from Fafita, when he scored you know, four tries in the first half, has actually hurt you this year? It's pretty much been no one apart from Papa Lee. And the only reason... That, that hurt you is because he was so his price was so short people were basically getting 75 points for the price of sort of 250 yeah and Papa Lee, you, you basically should be classifying him as a front row forward really like he should be one of your front row forwards so there, there really wasn't anyone and the thing was that the guys that still had potential like um, you know Madison's minutes got stuffed around and whatever but even guys like Angus Crichton were really good but he was in and out all the time and even guys like Cam Murray were in and out all the time too. So you didn't even have guys that were consistently playing. I mean, I think that me and Luke have spoken about that a lot, a lot as well, where the, the second rowers and the forwards just really weren't worth it this year. So guys like Ruben Garrick really had the opportunity to shine if um, if you did your team build that way. Yeah. Yeah, next year I'm going to just get some bench forwards to start with and try and get that spine right. Well, the second thing that I reckon really stuffed me was uh and I hate hate giving you another one, Billy, but this is gonna be another free stab for you just to smack me around. But I traded Hines early, uh, which didn't seem early at the time. I didn't trade him straight away. Um I traded him sort of well, probably two weeks after he peaked type of thing. And I was I was very adamant that, you know, keep him for that Tigers game in round fifteen because he was still starting. Um, and it looked like the mail was that Paps would be back the, the following week in round 16. Uh, and that, you know, that 16 was against the Roosters. They had the buy in round 17. So trading then. Um, but I, I, I ended up trading him after that Tigers game. Uh, and he scored 104 points against the Roosters. We all know the story after that. You had guys like Jerome Hughes hurt, guys like Munster out, and guys like Pappenhausen delayed. And it always just ended up being something that kept him starting. And the first time, you know, I traded him round before round 16 started. And the first time that he wasn't in the starting side for the Storm was, you know, round 24, which was last week versus Para. You know, the rest of the time his minutes were down, but he was still a starter. And the two weeks after I traded him out, he went 104 and 166. That just killed me. Even though the, the rest of the weeks after that weren't huge, those two weeks, a lot of people were captaining or vice-captaining him. And that was a real killer for me, um, not having Ruben in that time. And then the double whammy of the people that holding Hines ended up killing it. And I also ended up real short on trades and things as well, where if I would have foresaw how long he was going to actually keep playing, I would have saved a trade as well. So it was like a, a quadruple whammy. But I know Billy's story on Hines. Luke, where were you on Hines? I know that you liked him and you held him. Did you end up selling him though? No, I still got him. I I wanted to. Um, I just he was going so well. I just decided I wasn't going to think about it till he wasn't starting. And by the time he was, well, not not wasn't starting until Pappenhausen was back. And by the time Pappenhausen was back, I did not have the trades to get him out. <laughs> I needed to keep him. So it, I, I just every week I went. You know what? 
should I get rid of him? And went, no, 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 wherever he is playing 80 minutes, he you have to have him. And, and you can tell that by what he scored in the half games because I had to play him in one of his half or two of his half games. He scored 45 anyway. Like, yep. he was halfway to 100 yeah. in 40 minutes. So I, I just had to hold him. And I, I think that was still the right call, even though I've been stuck with him because that just is what it is. You can't be missing guys that are going to score 150 when they start. Yeah. And yeah, one of the things that makes it made it a little bit easier to keep him too, um, apart, apart from you know having a million dollars in the pot, <laughs> is think of like the David Fafita effects. People are still keeping Fafita because he's coming off the bench, only playing those you know, what 45, 50 minutes, but still scoring 80, 80, 80, 80 85, and tackle busting. If, so if you're doing that with a second row forward, why wouldn't you want to do it with a guy that's averaging instead of 130 and 80 minutes that can basically just score 30 points in the space of 10 seconds? Because he was playing 15 minutes a game, Billy, off the bench. <laughs> that, that was my reasoning, but, you know, it didn't happen. Oh, geez, this is uh, not as cathartic as I was hoping. <laughs> Let's move on from Nico Hines. That was definitely a bit of a killer, but I'm glad that he sort of... Um, I'm glad that he's slowed down, but I'm saying that when he's got... He's playing now, starting in the halves, with a team that doesn't have Munster in it, um, against a club that he's signed for next year for around 25. Like, I, I don't want to think about it anymore. It, it really hurts. It stings a lot. Um, the last one is going to be very relevant to Luke as well, actually. So, Luke is a big night supporter. I'm a big Rooster supporter. Teddy, in the middle of Origin, got rested. And... I'd already traded Gutherson a little bit before that to Turbo. And I had Turbo and Teddy there at that point. And my biggest problem was that I ended up not having a hooker that was playing. So I had no nine and no number one. And I had to... I I, I could obviously only get one AE, so I had to trade one of them. Of course, you know, I thought that I was going to need to trade Teddy anyway potentially because of how things were going and I really wanted Ponga and I thought that Ponga had a fantastic draw, he was going to outscore Teddy for the run home and I didn't want to trade Damien Cook because I was being stubborn and lo and behold I get Ponga in, Teddy goes ballistic, Ponga does not very much at all and I would have just been, it's one of those things where if everyone's got the foresight to look back and sort of know what would have happened they would have made different decisions but like if I knew we were going to get to round 24 and none of us were going to have any trades anyway, and we're all, like, i got 14 players this week and other weeks I've I've had 16 and stuff. Like, I think a lot of teams in the last month have played week short. If I knew all that was going to happen, like, I would have just kept Teddy. I would have got all the, the massive scores that he's gotten aside from last week. And I would have ended up saving that trade. And that trade would have been crucial for me right now. Uh, because I would have made a really good trade the last two weeks, and, and that would have been someone giving me an extra number to 15 this week. So all the things that, the knock-on effect from it, you know, if I knew that the season would have been playing short for most of the last month anyway, I would have just copped 15, like back in round 18 or whatever it was. I would have just copped the 15 players. Um, instead, I end up getting Ponga, and he comes in and he goes 50, 98, 71, 36, 43, and 80, which it could be worse uh, but Teddy outscored him over that period on an average pretty comfortably um, and obviously had some really big ones in there, especially his 166. So Pong ended up being a really poor call for me. I'm just going to go through that, that list of games that he had, though, before I hand over to Luke to bash me about it. Around 20 onwards, he had the Raiders, the Broncos, the Sharks, the Bulldogs, and the Titans. He has not tunned up in one of those games, which I, I find incredible. Like, he'd want to ton up this week, 
because like I, I threw out a guarantee in round 19 that there's no way he's going to finish the season without one big ton. Luke, I'm pretty sure that you supported me on this though. Yeah, I did. Um, I can't, I can't knock you for that trade, honestly, because I, I mean, I got him in as well, and I'd make it a rule to generally not get him in because I just find it too crushingly disappointing when the Knights play badly and I've got Ponga just like shit the bed in Supercoach. It really bothers me. I'm much better. <laughs> like, I'd rather miss him getting 150 than watch them get like sit there playing like shit and him doing nothing and it wrecking my Supercoach scores. But look, he. He was a no-brainer. He was 2% owned, and we've seen what he can do in Supercoach. I think that was a, a move that made sense if you weren't up the top of the tree at that point. Um, I made it. I, I would have. I would do it again now if we looked at it again and we still had six rounds to go and I had a trade, and that was his draw. I'd go, that's my ticket back up. I still would because you have to take guys with that ceiling, with that percentage of ownership, but he was bad. He's on my most disappointing player this year because to not nail that draw is unlike him. Um, And particularly if you knew Newcastle were going to win them all and be seriously, if they're going to win five in a row and Ponga was going to score that, you'd just think that was like fantasy land, that he would score that low in winning all those games against those teams. It was just crazy. (laughs) And like the other thing that I'll throw in there as well is that he's averaging 71 points for this season. And last year he averaged 80. And we mentioned that the scoring is up 15%, basically. So, really, he's not just nine points off his average. If you counter the fact that points are up so much, especially for backs, like, he should be scoring 92-plus. That should be his average. So, he's more like 20 points off the mark. And one of the things that I didn't mention with the Ruben Garrick discussion is that it's it's 15% overall, but there's been a skew where it's actually a lot more for backs. Like, I would I would dare say that backs are up sort of 20 to 25% and Fords are only up like 7% and that averages out to you sort of closer to 15. So the backs really like Ponga should be pushing a ton if it was last year's form this year. So mm. it's just, I, I, I don't know whether I can recover from the Caitlin Ponga Scari next year or in the future. I wouldn't. I don't think there's any need to. When you look at the fullbacks getting around now, um, if he's no longer kicking goals for Newcastle, then I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't be picking him up next year to start. He's a guy you'd have a throw at the stumps at some point of the year, but um, his work rate isn't up there, and you'd have to see a lot more from Newcastle with the ball than we've seen this year. I tell you what, I blame Billy. I, I blame Turbo for all of this and that stupid run in the mall because. All pre-season, and everybody knows this, I had, <laughs> had podcasts with both of you guys, all pre-season, my fullbacks were the first locked in, Turbo and Teddy, it's never going to change. Yeah, and obviously it had to change and I had to do some funky stuff there. It's, uh, it, Billy, what was your take on Ponga's season? I would have done exactly the same thing. He did so have the best draw. Um, my plan was to trade um, Gutherson to Turbo as, as soon as possible, but unfortunately... Um, um, all my chooks and my other pods got injured, so I had to trade those out and unfortunately end up having to keep Gutho, who ironically scored the same as Ponga, but at least it saved me a goddamn trade. <laughs> That's my bad calls. I'm keen to get off me for a minute. Billy, let's pass over to you, mate. Please make me and Luke feel better. What are your top three for 2021 that were the worst decisions for you? Well, you've just covered a couple of my good decisions because they're opposite of yours. <laughs> no, my uh, my uh, bad decisions. Um, the worst ones I made was um, was it wasn't selling Cleary, but basically by planning, <laughs> it was my worst decision all year. I got rid of um, I think I was coming about eight hundredth um, going to the going to that second buy, and I was going full strength. Um, 
and end up trading out Cleary for SJ and, um, and Nick, Nick Rima. He was goal kicking at the time and he was a- averaging 70 in, in, in full games. And had, they both had massive soft jaw coming up. Nico got Nico scored like nine and then got benched. S- SJ scored 10 and then did an injury. So between the two of them, I think they averaged four points over the next two rounds. So I basically sold a million dollar player and two trades for a total of 15 points <laughs> in two rounds. Luke brought in Nick Aramba too. Just, so can... <laughs> it, just, it just absolutely crucified me. And the worst part was because I actually made those two trades um, and then someone else got injured, I, my, starting, my, starting, my starting seven at the time, everyone else had uh, Jerome Hughes. I had, um, what's his name, from uh, young um, Walker from the Chooks, who just who just combined to get worse and worse and worse and lose the goalkeeping and get injured. So I basically had no seven for the second half of the year. Um, so that was That's my worst. That's just a killer because, like, Nick Arima wasn't just a good call. Like, from round, uh, from round six onwards, he averaged about 85 points around about. Um, and for the season, I think at the time coming into that buy round, he was around about a 68 average or something. He came into that buy round, and from that point onwards, he managed to get his average all the way back close to what his 2020 was, which is 52, and he's now only a 54 average on the season. His numbers from round 17 by 7, 20, 58, 36, 28, 10, didn't play, 3. Like, that is incredibly unlucky, and Luke, you were also unlucky with that, so you probably feel for Billy too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, no, I don't feel for him. I'm glad someone else went through it. <laughs> I, I did exactly that trade. I brought him in at um, – he got seven, by the way, Billy. You Don't be generous with the nine. I checked before we came on. <laughs> he got seven. I, I brought him in for that week. Um, and, yeah, it, it, you know, to jump ahead, that was on my list as the worst thing I did this year was I brought in Cody Nicarima at round 17. He scored seven and got benched, and I traded him out when he got benched. So I had him for one week. He got seven and I burnt two trades on one getting him in and one getting him out. Um, and I hate myself because I hate Cody Nicarima. I always have. I've never thought he was any good and I have no idea why I thought that was a good idea. I don't care what his numbers were. I should never have done that and I should have known better. But you know what? Like That's that's one of the things that we're like, that's like a Ruben Garrick alternate mm. reality one, right? Like Ruben Garrick yep. has never been good. And he's exactly the same type of guy as Cody Nikarima. Like, he's never been... He was even getting dropped before. Like, last year he was getting dropped. There was rumours he wasn't even going to have a wing spot. He hasn't played well in Supercoach ever. So, like, exactly the same type of sample size at the time when Ruben Garrick exploded for, like, you know, four or five weeks. Cody Nikarima did too. And both of them went on with it. One of them just kept going. And the other one just didn't. And there was no rhyme or reason. I mean, I I know we threw up some reasons for Ruben Garrick, but... It, it could have gone either way, really, on, on either of them. Like, it's just, that's where the luck really comes into it, because you have to take a punt on these guys based on a couple of months of info and just hope that it keeps going. Yeah, that's right. I, I think with him, it's just, it's just again, if you're going to learn something from it, you've got to look at the coaches, and he's one, uh, Nathan Brown tinkers, and, you know, they were going quite well. They had Cody Nicarima, and all of a sudden, Roger Tuovasa-Shek was playing some meth-head wing fullback 5'8 hybrid <laughs> role, like, 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 defending on the wing, and then playing left centre and wrapping around a 5'8 in the, on the third tackle or something, and Nick is the bench hooker. Then Nick Arima doesn't make the side at all, even though even when Wade E 
Egan was out, they used like Jazz at hooker, and you're like, you're not even using Nicarima as your hooker now. In this, like, he he's played current at like lock, edge, bench, bench edge, bench middle. Like, they're just you got to have some awareness on some guys that you go, okay, unless this guy is rock solid. Like, you know, if you if, you know Nathan Brown has a Kalen Ponga, then you can be pretty confident where he's going to play and you can get on with it. But sometimes if you're going to take a smoky, you got to go. This coach could just burn me. This guy could burn me at any time, and I should have done that. Yeah, and the the RTS stuff too. Like on since we're reviewing the season, it's fair to talk about. That was just out of this world crazy. And mm. some of the excuses that were coming around from some of the fans or, or super coaches was like, "Oh yeah, but RTS asked him to." And my response was, so what? Yeah. Like, what do you do as coach? You say no. Thanks, Roger. Mm. That's a really good teammate that you're being. That's great leadership. Get back to fullback and catch the ball and run. Mm. Like, you don't say, oh. okay, right, go on the wing. You're my best player. Off you go. Have your swan song season on the wing as captain. I'll tell you what. They've missed the finals by two wins by my account. Can, can we stop for a moment and just, like, seriously, anyone who thinks Nathan Brown has the slightest idea what he's doing, can we just stop <laughs> for one moment and say he sent and released Roger Tuovasa-Shek, right, to go home to train for Rugby Union? Like, he, he, he might have played again. I know he was like he was injured, but he could have played again. And they just—he's just not there. He's training in New Zealand to play, and they didn't keep him here on the chance he might be able to play more games this year and be of use to them. And he didn't play him at fullback when he had him. Um, you know what I mean? Like that at one point, neither him or Reese Walsh were fullback in five eight. It was like one was on the wing and one was at fullback, and you were like, "What's going on here?" Like he really—they're not that far away from playing finals football. And some of the stuff he's done throughout this season, that even if it cost them two wins, that's why they're not eighth. Well, I don't—I I really don't know what what they were doing. And look, to be fair to, to Brown, I think that we could probably put half of the NRL's coaches in the same bucket and have a go at every one of them this year. Mm. And everything from Team Seven down is is pretty bad. But look, we digress. We did. Killed two birds with one stone there. So we've got Luke's <laughs> first first mistake off his list with Cody Nicarima as well. Uh, Billy, your next one, your final one. What was the other big one for you that stuck out? Not following the gut. So I um I didn't I didn't start the year with David Fafita, knowing that eighty percent of coaches would wouldn't. I kind of got a bit too too tricky there and didn't pick him up for a couple of rounds. And same with the AJ effect, not getting him. That first week when he had like a minus 50 break even, thinking I'll get Cody Walker first, knowing that AJ would score 200. And just just players like that missing missing by one one or two weeks when you know that there's a high risk that you're going to fall behind if you don't get them, and like costing us a three hundred points. So yeah, just just timing on and not following gut on players like that. You know, I did find this year too um, because I thought about that as well. I reckon that in in other seasons when you miss out on those. When something really makes sense and you don't go for it, there's been, I don't know, maybe a 50-50 on whether it actually works out or not. Like, whereas this year, it really feels like all those guys where it made sense that were backs, like you go, well, you know, this winger has really good opposition for the next six weeks. He's just coming off a good score. They're going to him. He's got a minus 50 BE. Every single one of those worked. All, all, it feels like all year. It feels like there was hardly any of those that didn't come off. You're probably batting at like 90% this year on backs coming off like that, where it all made sense. And the reason why people like you and me and others don't always jump on it straight away is because we know in prior seasons, you might only have a 40, 50% strike yeah. rate of those coming off, you know? 
Yeah, it's a similar thing with blokes like Cheese. It just, just give me the shits. Like I got, I got him last year because I knew that he, he was he was he was going to play hooker. He was going to rotate. He was going to play big minutes before he ended up going back to the bench. Um, yes, I knew he would rely on tries, but I knew that he wouldn't get one every week. Maybe one of his sort of three weeks, and he could hopefully get like a sixty-five average. And he just proceeded to get 40, 45, 40, 40, 40. So this year, I thought, you know what? Don't fall for the same trap everyone else is. I know Grant's going to be back soon, but he's not going to score a try every week. He's a goddamn hooker. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. How can a hooker play 80 minutes and score a try every single week for two months? Well, i got a feeling that Luke might even talk about Brandon Smith, but <laughs> let's uh, let's move over to you, Luke, and shift over to you. This is your chance to uh, to get some things off your chest. Let's let's yeah. have your three, mate. What do you got? Well, all of all of all of Billy's are on my good list, apart from Nick Arima, so <laughs> I'm going to rub them back in later. Um, look, I have three really big ones. Um, the obvious one, okay. So let me set your scene for you. Round seven, I am seven hundredth. I'd been as high as three hundredth. I was yo-yoing between three and seven. Um, look, I really started well. I got a lot of things right. Um, and anyway. Uh, Tom Travojevic comes back from injury, and I have a choice about whether when Pappenhausen's out, whether I'm going to get Ponga or whether I'm going to get Turbo. Um, now, to use Billy's thing when he talks about cheese last year, well, I've brought Turbo in the week in the last two seasons. Tom Travojevic has scored 100 in his comeback game, and the following week I have brought him in, and in both of those fucking games he's been his hamstring. And I'm going, you know what? I'm 700th. He got his 100. He just made his comeback and got the 100. And I went, you know what? This is the year. Everyone is getting on him. Everyone was getting on him. And I've gone, I've fallen for this twice. And I'm going to rocket everyone here because I'm going to get Caelan Fonger. And you're all going to be crying in your milk when he does his hamstring again because he does it all the time. And if he doesn't do it this week, he'll do it next week. He scored about 150 and he didn't even play 80 minutes. Um, everyone captained him. Caelan Ponga got 40. Um, and I thought, okay, Turbo's draw is getting hard now. Ponga's is opening up. I'll make this up. Turbo proceeded to sort of, as we all know, average about 140 for the whole season. Caelan Ponga played like one more game and then we got up to Magic Round when he was supposed to play the Tigers and he just pulled out and didn't play. And I had to trade Trom Tavoyevich in sort of for Ponga at Magic Round sort of three weeks later. So I just missed like 450 points. I fell from 700th to 2,000th, 4,000th, 7,000th, 8,000th, and then spent the next 10 weeks getting all the way back to 1,000th. And I have to set I have to set the scene for the listeners too here, Luke, because you're talking about him pulling out Magic Round. Luke actually travelled from Newcastle up to Queensland <laughs> for Magic Round. <laughs> the first game, I think, was Newcastle and Ponga pulled out. Oh. Yeah, and they got beat. They were down by 20 to the Tigers in 20 minutes. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't very magic, let me assure you. But it it, that that move is even now. I'm still 1600. I was in the top thousand at the time, and I fell to 10,000 and have got myself all the way back up to 1500. That move is why I'm not in the top 500, let alone the top thousand. Like that one thing. That's how good he was. Um, that just you know. Usually we think, oh, you know, you get stuff right and wrong. But no, no. I just got that so wrong that that is completely torched. What was probably going to be the best season I'd had. And it was for all the right reasons. I've done this the last two times, and he didn't average 140. He tore his hamstring and stopped playing while I was captaining him, and he got a bad score um, with that. And, yeah, it's just 
it was a nightmare. And for you want to know the, the the best part about all that is when I finally got him for Ponga and captained him at Magic Ground. He got 140, but then Cleary got 220. So I got absolutely raked <laughs> in the rankings again because I thought I finally got him. I captained him. He's got 150, and everyone else got on Cleary, and I got absolutely trounced again, <laughs> even though he, my captain got 150. It was stunning. Uh, well, Billy's <laughs> only one of the three of us that didn't get on Ponga, so Billy's fine with uh, it. That's what we it's call just... a bull market by myself, though. <laughs> yeah. It, it it hurts. It really just still hurts. Yeah, it sure does. Um, mate, I, I, I've been playing this for, I think, eight years now or something rather, and it's taken me that long to, that long to figure out that... Um, the only way you get the only way you're going to beat the masses every year is by not by not by getting 25 players that can get an extra five or ten points and what they're priced at. It's just follow the crowd and make sure absolutely make sure there's not a single player that can score a 200 at any given point in time you do not own. So stack the Cleary, stack the Teddy, stack the Papenhuisens, and stack the Turbos when they're playing the bottom ring teams, and do not miss that captain. I think to to Luke's. To Luke's situation as well, like the the other problem is as well that again coming back to what a unique season this is, you you know you came back really solidly. You, you probably would have come back twice as good as that if it was any other year because how much you got punished in prior years was nowhere near this. Like you missed out on mm. the the captain of the round last year. Most of the time it was 130 points. This time it's more like 160 every time, and that just that just eats at you really quickly, and like you miss out on a big score. Two years ago, it was missing out on 105 or something, and this year you miss out on a big score. It's 220 points. Yeah. Like it's just it's what a real you? punishing year. How far behind the leaders are you, Luke? And how how close do you think to the top ten you would be if you added all those turbo points oh. alone? I haven't checked, but that that I think by by my maths, just that would have me in the top 500. I haven't looked how much closer it would take me from there and stuff like that, but it would have been, you know, I'm about 15 now, and I think just those points in those three three weeks would have got me back to pretty much the best I've ever done. I've come 500 once quite a few years ago, and, yeah, that that's much higher. I haven't done the maths on, but I'd be, you know, I'd be pretty happy, put it that way. You can probably add another 300 points in that easy, given that you've had to pay a premium for Turbo and you would have had another, another trade up your sleeve to get someone else in parallel. Yeah, but I would have misused it, so we've got to counter <laughs> that in. <laughs> I would have used it badly. But, yeah, that, that's that's my first one. My second one is Cody Nicarima, so we can not we, go over We won't go over him um, again. He can move on. <laughs> yeah, um, he's just to add to my point situation. If you want to give me some more points and say where would I have been for one other thing, um, we took that was one of my early mistakes. Let's talk about my last one. Um, in round 21, I was all set up. I had this great idea. I had a look at how injured the Warriors were. I had one trade left, and I'm a bit short of depth. And I had the money to do Suwali to Josh Curran, and I thought, I'm going to do it. Um, that's a really clever move. I can't afford a gun, but he's going to outscore a gun because Brownie can't stuff him up here. There's just no, there's no one left. Um, five minutes to kick off in the Knights Broncos. I spend the whole pregame watching Dickhead break the Naster and all these people talk about how good Bradman <laughs> Best is. And I just get mad FOMO as a Knights fan. I watched him play the Raiders the week before. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> he doesn't have the ceiling. I, I knew I did, shouldn't have got him. And just sitting there and I got with him and, oh, and Bradman Best is a weapon. He's a new Mal Meninga and all this stuff. And I just went, nah, fuck it, bang. And I just traded him in for Suwali. Um, That cost me... 
170 points in two weeks, and I'm not kidding. That's how <laughs> current, current, current absolutely murdered the next four. I, I felt sick watching him because he just kept. Uh, he's always been good, but he just also kept scoring, and he's gone like absolutely murdered it. And Bradman Best dropped a 20 and a 30 or something. Well, I was about to say it wasn't just a current yeah. went ballistic; it no. was that Bradman Best went terrible. Yeah. It is. It was 170 points in the first fortnight, and he hasn't made any of it up since. Um, it's it, he'd have fallen further behind, just not by as much. So that, even that now, that's top 1,000. Add those to my points. I'm in the top 1,000 right now, and that was only a few weeks ago. And it was. It's not like a pong of turbo thing. This was just dumb. I had it locked in, and you never trade just before kickoff. I just listened to too much crap from Braith and Especially Nelson. when you're drunk. <laughs> oh, oh, I think I'm vaguely remember I was having a heated discussion around Curran. I think I said to everyone beginning middle season, so you're absolutely moral on the trading Curran. He's an absolute beast, but I think the problem was I got my numbers right, but I think I got his minutes and stats wrong. <laughs> you're like, actually hasn't been playing the 80 minutes, but he's been playing 50 minutes, and it's in the middle, not on the edge. And they're like, yeah. I think I'll just shut up now. <laughs> Well, it's the I've I've just I've been with a team that's been coached by Nathan Brown, and I know what happened was it was right when you you were sort of saying oh he's going to kill it, and he would if he got the minutes, but he was never going to, and that dropped because Brown just does that. He dicks people around. He was playing really well, then he went to the middle and would play fifty, and then he was on the bench, and you never knew. And I just thought he was a good sell at that point, but later when he was down to three eighty and. Tohu Harris had gone, and um, Fanua Blake was suspended, and Lodge was gone. He was a he was an absolute rocket move, and I identified it, and I got everything right except hitting the trade button. So that yeah. that hurt. That still isn't, hurts. Isn't it horrendous when you get guys like uh, SJ and Nikarina, um and um, Tohu Harris all in the space of like two weeks trades back to back to back, and all six go down, and then you get yeah. players like Barnett go, go from edge to middle, and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Fitzgibbon's rubbish. Yeah, just my whole team's gone. Like, yeah, that had, all of that happened to me. That was like, like, like my whole, I thought my team was set. Now I'm like, I need to make five trades to get out of this. Well, if we're talking <laughs> about things on. that went really badly as well, like, that was probably one of the byproducts that you, you can't really say, like, I was never going to put it down as, as an error or something that really killed me because something that everyone experienced. But obviously the amount of injuries and guys going down, but the byproduct of that that didn't get spoken about enough is that it meant more than any other season. Guys that you didn't trade out early, and especially teams that were a bit dormant, that weren't using their trades to get out a Uta Kamanu or uh, a Josh Curran when he peaked or, and then he was injured and things like that, all of a sudden you had all these guys come back to life and they're all mm. of a sudden killing it. And it's like, then you had to burn trades and all these other injuries. And you would have killed to have some of these guys because uh, Uta Kamanu at the moment is one of the best front row forwards to start. Uh, Curran is one of the best second row forwards to start. And these guys were cows. And these guys were cows that peaked months before. And there was like 10 of these guys that could have ended up helping you if you actually held them. And it's... I think those two in respects were, were actual decent sort of prospect cows at the beginning. But you're right. There's no way anyone could have foreseen all of a sudden, you know, who the commander would have grown into himself and all of a sudden be um, be half of proper and playing, so, you know, 60 minutes as opposed to, you know, 35, 40 off the bench and scoring tries well, entirely. You can't foresee that. It's the injuries and stuff as well, though, that I think affected it the most, right? Because if Tohu Harris doesn't go down, I dare say that Curran would still be ended up dicking around everywhere and being hmm. on the bench and stuff heaps. If, if Tamau is playing, which he hasn't been for ages now, you know, 
where is Stefano on the pecking order there? He's probably back on the bench again for some of these games. You know, like it's there's just and those are only two injuries, and you, everyone could say well injuries part of the game. But this year injuries, sit outs, HIAs, and everything else as we discussed, they, they've become much more prevalent, which has meant guys have shifted around more, which has meant guys that were on the bench or fringe end up getting pushed back into prominent roles, and you don't really foresee that, and we didn't. We don't really see it in the past seasons either as much. Tane Milne's one. Tane Milne one, just yeah. kept coming back to life on P. I never got him, and I was getting I so that. angry because I didn't get him. <laughs> and I don't think there was anything wrong with not getting him, but he just kept, like, sprouting back to life in bad weeks when I was scrambling for numbers, and these bloody people who got on him would just get him just sprouting back at centre, sprouting <laughs> back at wing, and just lobbing up out of nowhere. And he just go away. What's yeah, it was, it was causing problems too. I... I, I... I put a post up saying, oh, guys, if he, there's one thing you're going to do for me this year, it's Tan Milne is the the trading the trading of the year, if, only if you are enough, because he's playing... I, I think that buy route, he was going to play Dogs or, or someone. I can't remember who it was, but he basically had a brilliant matchup. So if he was going to turn up, he was going to play wing, and Walker was kind of roaming. But worst case scenario, if he doesn't play, so what? He's a jewel. You can help sort of maneuver things around, but... He did get kissed on the deck with him sort of playing after a couple of games, but that game when he scored what 140 or something in that by round, that was just oh, that that was just um, throwing me in the mouth type stuff. But there's even awful. there's even stuff that we <laughs> we haven't ever mentioned other things as well. Like I know that we've all spoken about on various podcasts injuries, HIAs, and everything. One other thing that we haven't mentioned is COVID, right? Because even the COVID stuff, like the Dragons had 12 people oh, yeah. suspended in one week. Like uh, obviously yeah. spread spread out across a month, but that meant that all these other guys ended up getting opportunities too. Like you, you've got all this other, stuff. and then you had things like you know people not coming into the bubble straight away and whatever. There's just been that many things this year that have sprouted guys back to life that you wish you would have held. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's a mistake. I just think it's it was a real big impact on the season. But it's all it's all started on a real down note. So I feel like we've got to get the listeners back up. So let's start talking about some good stuff. <laughs> um, the good moves and the good calls of 2021. I'm going to start with the best 5-8 in the competition. Adam Dewey, who, which Luke is going to love talking about. Uh, for everyone that hasn't listened to the podcast that Luke has been on or spoken to Luke before, Luke does not like Adam Dewey as a footballer at all before this year. We've had very funny arguments about it, and I was really into him this year, and Luke thought it was insane. And as much as Luke didn't like him, I even talked Luke into getting him, and obviously now he's gone for the year. But Dewey was probably one of the ones that I, I'm really happy with. I ended up in draft targeting him um, sort of late round, like maybe round nine or something, and no one was going anywhere near him because he obviously missed that first week suspended. And I was happy to cop an AE round one and then have him from round two in draft for a real late pick, uh, and that worked out a treat. And obviously, I got it. I spoke about him quite a bit on the podcast, but I was like real on my radar straight away after he got his first game under his belt, and then um, he went 25, a 90, and an 84, and then I got him in. And once I got him in, um, he went phenomenal. He went 94. Uh, 61, a bad game at 23, then 83, 141 and 114 across his next six weeks of footy. Obviously culminating in a 77-point average for this year, which is 22 points up on his 2020 average. Uh, obviously had the goal kicking, got dicked around at centre, half a dozen games he had to play there, but he still ended up being fairly effective. Uh, I couldn't be happier with Dewey. He is one of those guys... Kind of like a Ruben Garrick. He hasn't had any form before, but he got some extra opportunity and responsibility. And I took a bit of a punt on him that it was going to work out and he was going to score well, and, and he did. Uh, shame that he ended up going down for the last two weeks of the season, but he, he remained pretty pottish for most of the season. So 
he's probably my my real good story that I feel good about this year, I guess. Yeah, I, I um, obviously... He's won me over a little bit. He played pretty well this year, Adam Dewey. He um, he's better than I thought he was. Uh, not as good as people thought he was when he left South, though. Um, <laughs> he, I, <laughs> you, did, you did talk me into him. Um, he is one of my on my list as well. So I may as well get that out of the way now. Yeah, may as well. He, he he is the feel good story of the Cody Nicarima calam- um, Cody Nicarima <laughs> calamity because I I traded him after the seven. And he got named on the bench, and I rage traded out of him. I rage traded him to Adam Dewey, who scored 154 straight up, and then went 80, 80 or 90 plus for the next four weeks. Um, and like you said, no one owned him, so that that was also my best one. And you did have to talk me into it, but I had a fair bit of data by then. I didn't get on when you did. This was pretty, you know, this was just after the buy, um, and. He he's had a very good season. He runs the ball like Connor Watson. They just get it five eight and just hog it and run it and get twenty five and hit ups and he sets up a few tries and offloads and all that stuff as well. So he's been really good. I mean, he's averaging seven points higher than Caelan Ponga. And if you told me that at round one, I would tell you to get your head red. <laughs> Imagine if Connor Watson, Connor Watson kick goals. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the world wouldn't be enough for you, Billy. You'd be <laughs> Well, can, can yeah. I just say that Adam Dewey ended up the 13th best player overall for this season on averages. So he, his 77 average came in 13th overall. And the only 5'8 that was better than him was Walker. And Walker's actually had to surpass him the last two months of football. Before that, um, Dewey was actually better and the number one 5'8. Walker's only six points better than him, despite how well Cody Walker's gone off. So that tells you something about what a season Adam Dewey has had and what an impact that those type of pods can have as well. I'm going to fast forward to my next one because this is a this is one that um, a lot of people, including you two, don't really rate either. Uh, I actually didn't like that I started with Clint Gutherson at the start, but then he started scoring really well for me and Pappenhausen went down, and he actually got me right back. Um, he also helped my draft team immensely as well, but he, he went well to start the season. I remember like around round five, I lamented... You know, Clint Gutherson's still averaging 70-odd points a game, and I'm, I'm still feeling, like, you know, terrible because Pappenhausen's killing it. And then he went on, and round 6 to 80 gave me 103, 124, and 140, and Pappenhausen obviously went down. So that plus another 121 and 110-point outings with his five tons and a heap of 90s, I was real happy with Gutherson um, to, to start off with after that for the run. I obviously traded him to Turbo, uh, when I could a little bit after that, before the buys came up uh, or around the buy time. Um, so that it wasn't the best move at the start because of Pappenhausen going nuts, but it ended up really helping my season um, to claw it back a little bit. And, you know, it was just a bit of a feel good because everyone gave me shit for Gutherson and I thought that he went pretty well in that middle portion. And I actually got off him at the right time, which is something that doesn't happen that often. So around that buy period is when I got off him. And that actually worked a treat. And obviously, I had Turbo in for him, and that worked out great. Yeah, this, this, I remember when you started him, I remember, I remember but, thinking you were absolutely mental, um, not getting, um, uh, not going on the two guns at fullback. But you can't, like, like we discussed at the time, you can't have everyone, you can't argue against the fact that he, what, he scored basically three tons back to back when Pappy was concussed. So you certainly did well to trade at the right time, mate. 
Yeah, the timing was really everything. And I know that Gutherson's one of Luke's favourite players as well, so I need to let him chime in on, on his um, second favourite player in the league. Are you just naming people that I don't like as your favourite? Is Luke Brooks the third one? Like, is he your third? <laughs> just naming... Look, Gutho, Gutho I'm, I'm never into him. I traded him in um, around the buys and copped a few tonnes and got off, and I was pretty happy with that because my... If anyone doesn't know, my main problem with Clint Gutherson, apart from the pineapple hair he had at Manly was that the first time I ever traded him in was at last time I went to Magic Round um, to the first one two years ago and he scored a nine against Melbourne in 80 minutes and went like and they moved him to hooker at that game where they lost by 60 and Pappenhausen scored 100 in 30 minutes and Gutherson, Gutherson scored nine in 80 including spending 25 minutes at hooker in the middle of the game with some sort of Brad Arthur madness and I've never forgiven him I traded him in that round I was in the top 500 I traded him in and Reese Martin in Reese Martin didn't play, he got pulled out on game day and Gutho scored a nine and I've just never forgiven him. Like I still hate him even after he got three tons for me in that run this year. Can't I feel like it. I feel like Billy <laughs> captain Reese Martin in that round from memory. I hope when so. he got pitched. <laughs> he, nah. it, it was uh, it was a, it was a disgraceful weekend, but I've just always had it for Gutho ever since. I remember watching him play that Melbourne game and just pandering around the back doing nothing, <laughs> getting the dummy half, and I'm like, just take a run, Gutho, do something. It's well, a- that, that first two thirds of the season were really good. If I held Gutherson like post that second buy, I would feel like shit because the last six weeks of football has been real bad from him for Super Coach. But I, I sort of cheated. The, I'll just quickly mention the last two that that really made me feel good. Brian I got on real early, um, basically waited for him to, I think he dropped slightly after the first three rounds, um, and I was just waiting for that first price change, and then I was getting him in, and then he just absolutely killed it, as everybody knows, but I think I got on him when he was around 7%, so that was a really good one that I thought early, I'm going for it, and I, I called it, I think he's going to be one of the best centre wings of the year. Uh, the other one as well was Hughes, where I did something very similar, where I jumped on Hughes because I wanted to get some backs in that were high scoring. And I, I thought that he was going to have a bit of a career year. I didn't do it quite as early. Yeah, Toto's a gun. I've, it's his third year in first grade, and I'm in love with him. I've owned him four times, and it's his third year in first grade. That's how much I like him. I, <laughs> he, I love how he plays footy, and I'll I'll probably buy him next year and the year after while we're at it. He's a gun. Hughes came out of nowhere a little bit too. How good is it seeing, seeing him um, come back from injury instead of easing in, runs for 300 metres in his first game back at wing? Just a weapon. Just a weapon. Oh, I was heaps happy that I, I held him as well. And I traded other guys instead in the hope that he was going to come back, so that worked out well. Billy, top three things that made you smile this year that you did? Dewey was one. Um, I think that was a little bit of a guidance from you, but I had to go back and have a look before I, at him before I looked at the, num- at the numbers and the draw. And, but, yeah, I was happy with him. Um, Hines was the other one, getting on him early and basically keeping him all year. I, my philosophy was... <laughs> Don't, I don't care if he drops a million dollars down to 100k. I'm keeping him for that last game of the season when everyone's rested. Just shame that sort of Pappy's not rested as well. But I'll take uh, 80 minutes at Munster spot. And the other one was um, I started with um, I can't remember if I started with him or, or got him very early when he, when, he, when when he dropped. But um, I'm in love with um, Roosters right wingers, mate. Um, so I, I got Morris and I had him at. I bought him when he was basically one percent, and had him well, when he was about three or four percent. When he was basically eight or nine hundred k as a winger, and I thought no one in their right mind is going to buy this bloke, and he's just going to keep crushing tons, and I'm going to get him to the top ten, and then, and then, 
Oh, he went really well though. Like it's it's a forgotten story, Brett Morris on his Supercoach season because he obviously went down in round eight. But his numbers, like he was he was gonna he was gonna be better than Ruben Garrick. Like he started his numbers: one twenty five, one thirty five, forty five, one eighteen, one eleven. 66 and 88 when he did his ACL. Like he, he was single-handedly carrying my season into the into the top hundred um, just by having a one percent pod who can crunch those numbers. But then I did I did his replacement. I bought an Ikevado straight away, and then all. But that's when it sort of started unravel. Like you have Ikevado start, and then you go to bench, and then Swally mix. It was kind of like, oh, just leave him there. And then um, I think the problem was I think Ikevado and Tedesco they were playing. Bulldogs or Titans or Warriors or something rather, and I kind of thought this is the game where they're both going to score 160. And I think they both ended up scoring 25 or something. It's one of those games when you're like the 900k guys are supposed to go massive, not score 25. And uh, yeah, that's when it sort of started unraveling. Well, Bemos is one of the like what if stories of the Super Coach season for me because he averaged 98 points across his uh, seven games, and when we see what other backs have done. He he could have averaged 110, 115, which would have been insane. Like you're talking about a 70% increase on what he scored the prior year. So he was a really good one for you to have early on. That's the thing that I really, really, that really shit me though. Because at the same, when everyone else was playing, um, Saab, what's his name from Panthers, one, not one gun and and and, and someone else. I had um I had B Moz, I had a cheap Hines, I had Brian Tuo, and I, I I was basically just alternating, you know, Suwali or or who or, or, or whoever. I didn't have any salves or play or any players like that. And to have um to have like your, your massive gun sort of go down and then all of a sudden your um your 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 awesome pods become sort of anti pods, that really kinda of hurts. Mm, well Luke have you got any better stories than that one? Oh, I've got a couple. So I, I got um, obviously Dewey is, is one for me as well. So I'll leave him off. Um, the the big one, or probably two. The first one is I did start Dave. I didn't just start David for feeder. I captained him a lot early. I was totally confident in him um, to start this year. And I know he was relatively high owned, but a lot of people, I, he wasn't necessarily high owned. A lot of people who I think know what they're doing were the ones not picking yep. him. Um, it, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of people I thought will probably be the guys that I need to beat to get in the top one thousand that were outsmarting themselves a bit by not getting on him. And I got on him and I captained him a lot and I got a lot of good scores. People forget now because you just captain Turbo, but that first before Turbo came back, the captaincy was a bit more all over the place, and I just kept getting that right. I, I got um, Pappenhausen's massive game, and outside of that, when he wasn't going huge, I got David Fafita's big scores as well pretty regularly when people were still scrambling to go, how do I get him in, how do I get him in, and oh, he won't score a hat-trick every week. I just rode it, um, and that was a large reason that I was sort of 500, 300, 700 for that first two months um, till Turbo came back. So that was probably a, a good one for me. Um, the third one is, it's similar, but it's just more of a general strategy. And I spoke about it a lot on your preseason pod, as I talked about what I, my my strategy, I call it going for voltage. And I did that right this year. I paid up for every high ceiling rocket player I could get at round one. And I did really well with that this year to, you know, I'm really happy with my first couple of months until my undoing during season comes in, um, I'd got, I didn't really have anyone against me that could hurt me until Turbo came back. He did come back and he did hurt me. But prior to that, I was like, 
I'm, I think people get caught up in super coach so much that you get these silly sort of attitudes sometimes where they talk about it like it's the share market, like buy low, sell high. This guy's five points underpriced. But you need the guys that score 150, like Billy said. You need the guys. It's 200 now, but it was 150 before. Um, you need yep. those guys in your team. You cannot play against them, and they can turn into double when you captain them. It can be three and 400 now, but they carry you, and you can be weak somewhere else. Like, it doesn't matter. If Cleary scores you 200, it doesn't matter how smart your team is, Mark. If you've got all these guys five points under price and all of mine were wrong, Cleary just wipes you if you don't have him, and I do. I'm just going to outscore you, and especially if I captain him. So I, I went really hard at all those positions that it mattered. I got most of them right, and I put myself in a really good position, and then I took some chances to try and stay there, and I, I fucked it up. But I'm really happy with how I started the year, and I'll be going the same strategy next year where I'm going to load every single person I can get. Fullback hurts us a bit now because there actually is guys you can't carry. You have to guess which fullbacks are going to be right. But outside of that, I'm, I'll be loading the guys that are going to hurt us in every position I can get them in and then working backwards on my team from there because that did work for me yeah. really well. Yeah, That's the year to do it as well. I think it was, yeah, I think you're right, Luke. So I think the you could have just had four key players this year and you would basically be in the top 100. And that was obviously yeah. having the, the Pappy and Teddy combo at the back, Cleary and... Um, um, to feed up, you had those four. You could, you could have had dog shit everywhere else, basically, and basically yep. been been top uh, top one thousand. Well, you could have had an AE yeah. as a hooker. Like seriously, that's how useless hooker was. Yeah. And at the start, yeah. like Papalii wasn't, um, you know, playing for the Eels. He was off the bench, going average. And then Haas wasn't even playing because he was suspended. Like the front row forward was terrible at the start of the year too. You may as well have thrown two cheapies in at front row forward, waited for the good stuff to come back. And then uh, and had nobody at hooker because, well, really, Brayley, I guess, was the cheapy at hooker. If you did that, you, you had the chance to stack the rest of it. But it just, it looks so bad because when you're looking at a round mm. one team, you don't want to have all so many holes in your side where you're playing like three, four, five plebs in your starting 13. It just looks terrible, but it would have come off. <laughs> yeah. And it can hurt you. It, it's hurt me before when I've, like, there's been years where I've tried to start not have a good second rower and start Ryan James or something a few years ago and all of a sudden he's scoring 30 and I'm, I'm I'm in trouble. But this year was different and every year the rules get more in favour of forgetting that and going to high ceiling. They just keep changing the super coach rules to reward attacking players. Like Sean Fenson is one of our favourite super coach players. There'll be no point owning him now under these rules and these games, even if he was playing 80 minutes. The game has changed a lot in super coach and the NRL rules are set up more. So, Supercoach wants to reward attacking play and the NRL is making it all about attacking play and it's becoming less and less relevant to bother about how good your 17 looks and a lot more looking about what, like Billy said, your top four or five players look like. Exactly, and they're trying to change it again. Like, when's that rule going to come in with what, seven tackles off? Four? Oh, they're not going to do that now. Yeah, yeah they no, they, no, I, they hopefully won't do that. That's mental. But <laughs> they got um they got talked down on that one because they got they got all the fan feedback and all the media feedback on that was horrendous within three or four days, and they ended up turning around and saying they're not going to do it. That was a Wayne Pierce brainchild to try and trial for this weekend's games for the dead rubbers, and, and they've they've already said no, they're not going to do it, which is good because at least they're actually listening a little bit and thinking about these stupid moves that they are going to do that they're going to hold off on. 
But the attitude's the same, though. Like, even though they've cancelled out, their attitude is how do we make this faster? How do we make this more attacking? How do we make it try, try, try? Yep. So when you're looking at Supercoach, that's going to still be... That's what Supercoach is more and more about, and that's what the NRL is looking at. It's not going to become dour and, and stodgy. So look at your teams and look at guys who can just go big and just get them. I'd be more impressed if they made the beer lines at the games faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or in Sydney's case, full strength and cheaper as well would be good. But we digress. Um, boys, this is going to be a quick fire one. We don't have to have big discussion on it. But mm-hmm. the three three players for the season, first one, MVP for the Supercoach season. Is any of us going to say not turbo? No. <laughs> that was an easy one. Average 140. <laughs> I think that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you can build on that next year. We'll get to the 200 average. Um, so yeah. that's an MVP for sure. The pod player of 2021. I've got Adam Dewey. I thought that he was the pod player because nobody got on him still. And he was at, you know, 1% ownership to start with when he was starting busted out 100. So I got Dewey. Who have you got, Billy? Yeah, I'd have to go Dewey as well. Um, Hines wasn't really a pod play. And it took you a bit, took you a little while to warm up. So yeah, do it for me. Uh, I think so, but I think just to go back to Brett Morris, I, I, that was a pretty big pod play. He probably mm. would have been the one if he didn't get hurt. So I think that'd be the only challenger. Like his average is significantly above Dewey. So yeah, but one of them probably Dewey, given just how many games he played and everything else. Disappointing super coach player of twenty twenty one. Um, there's a lot to choose from because there always is. For me, it was Jerome Luai. So Luai. Uh, I actually thought it was going to be a bit of a bargain um, around, I think it was around 15-ish, um, where I got him for oh, it was around 16 versus power maybe. I brought him in because he was only 359,000 and it was a really easy trade. And I thought that he was going to sort of go great guns on the draw that he had. Proceeded to do absolutely nothing. Um, Jerome Luai only has one ton for the year, which is 128 points versus Manly in round four. He hasn't actually gone to 90-plus anything after that, and he only has a 70-plus on three of those games after round four for an average of 57 points in the 2021 season. We spoke about how backs really were at least 15% up, if not probably towards 25% for the good ones. He's gone from a 62-point average in 2020 to a 57 in 2021, and I, I just thought that he's been nowhere near as good. So super coach for me, Luai, was um, pretty disappointing. I reckon he cracks a ton this week. Probably. I reckon that's a pretty good call on him. Um, I think he's been pretty good in real NRL terms because I think the drop-off is actually because Cleary has taken over the team um, in such a way that that's where the points are. And, you know, it's funny because the first month he was equal or above Munster and it looked like, oh, it's going to be – Luo's going to join Munster and Walker. Not that it was going to be Adam Dewey. (laughs) You thought it was going to be Luo that joins them. Um, But, yeah, it's one of those things. Cleary – it's almost Mm. like Cleary's just taken his points. Like Cleary's gone up a notch and he's gone down. I think it works for Penrith what they do. But if that's the way they're going to play rugby league, I don't think he'll be a super coach option in the foreseeable sort of future, to be honest. He's just – it's almost playing like a late – career James Maloney in a way where he just sits on his edge and just does the classy stuff he needs to do when he has to but he doesn't exactly. own the game he doesn't go in and have to do all the other stuff he just sits there and does his job on his edge and that, that works for him I think something that's changed a little bit is two things so previously when he had kick out and Crichton on the left he would always do that little short ball to short ball to um, a kick out or that little deft kick behind the mm. line for, for Crichton in goal and get a lot of drop, um, um, dropouts I think the fact that Crichton's on the right-hand side now, Burton's a bit more of a sort of, you know, give me the ball, dummy, and sort of get through the line. 
and I think Cleary just seems to be playing instead of just through a whole 50, 50, 50% right side of the field. I think he's playing sort of the right sort of 65%. Like he's still, mm. he's, he seems to be creeping over just a little bit more before he gives the ball to Luo. So I think Luo is sweeping out the back a little bit more and just having that last tackle. Well, here you go, 2 type option as opposed to a little bit more yeah. free range of the, 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 the whole three. I'll tell you something as well, like that he's not doing. Like me and Luke used to joke four years ago that Jerome Luai is terrible and shouldn't be a first grader because all he did was run the ball, and it was to the detriment of all his playmaking. Like he didn't get any assists, he didn't give any good service. He looked like he wasn't going to be a first grader in a year, and obviously he balanced that really well. And, and me and Luke are both giving him props on how much he's improved the last two years. But last year he scored seven tries. He's only got two for this season. So that's a significant drop-off to have you know, five less tries, five less line breaks with, associated with those tries as well and all the tackle breaks that are associated with it as well. In, a, in an era in 2021 where it's actually opened up, where you'd expect him to go from seven to like you know 11 or 12 tries with how he plays. That's a, that's a huge hole this year in what he's done. It is funny too, particularly when the fact that Tor's, I know he's got a really good base, but Tor's been so good and he scored a lot of tries and Burton scored a lot of tries. And you just, if you, if you looked at the super coach averages of Tor and um, Burton and saying they were the left center and left winger, if you just saw that right now and that was going to be their average for the year, you'd get on Luai because you'd go, well, he's going to be popping them all over, but because mm. um, it's not going to be Dylan Edwards, so it's going to be who's it going to be? So, yeah, it is. It, I, I would agree he's been really disappointing super coach-wise. I never got on him, but I looked really hard at the first month because he came out of the blocks really hard and looked really good. Yeah, he did, and he mm. had um, oh, three tons last year as well, and obviously mm. only the one this year, like I mentioned. Billy, who did you find the most disappointing in this year for super coach? Uh, Chappelle. I um I bought him towards the end as buy cover because I I just wanted um I just wanted some extra punch up front in case there are injuries because at at that moment um I still had Stefano and um and what's his name Spencer um and I, and I really didn't want to have to play those guys when injuries injuries started so I thought you know what Tapao is going to play that last buy he's got basically for the next six or seven games he he's got the bottom ranked teams. Surely the offload comes and he starts playing a little bit more than sort of 45 minutes. But he ended up just sort of playing 40, 45 minutes for the next sort of nine nine rounds and just punching out 40, 40, 40 against you know, bottom-ranked teams. There was nothing in there at all. So he's, he's, with all the injuries, I've basically been forced to play him. You know, in hindsight, I shouldn't have even bothered having a backup there and just gone for DG instead, which would have proven a lot more lucrative. Not having a trade for DCE is one of my misses this year as well. I really wanted him um, a few weeks back for the finish of the season. I couldn't afford to do it. Honourable mentions for David Nofaluma and also for uh, Sean Johnson, I think, as well, which probably everyone agrees yeah. with. But let's mm. let's move on, boys. Last one in the season review. Uh, what would you guys change for next season if you could change one thing in Supercoach for the 2020 season? What would it be? Uh, Luke, let's start off with you. Oh, Look, I think... It's hard to narrow it to one. I think it would probably have to be more trades in some respect. And I know that the purists hate that and blah, blah, blah. You and I have spoke before how I say it won't stop people using them badly. So I don't think it's a worry in that respect. But I think what they're not looking at is that the game has changed. Um, There are a lot of injuries now. People miss the game for all sorts of things, obviously the COVID stuff. But really, the HIAs are being taken a lot more seriously, and that's great. But 
you can't play fantasy sports with guys just missing rounds all the time like that. And the injuries have gone up under these new rules. There was a big debate about whether that was true last year. Well, we know it is now. It's, it's two years of, of data on that. The injuries have gone up. Um, it's a game that's supposed to be fun, and it's not fun if you can't trade. So they need to fix that up. They only got away with it last year because of the COVID break. That really disrupted the season, and we came back with all these extra trades kind of thing relative to how many rounds were left. So we didn't notice the drop-off. I think it would have been the same as this year. Um, I think we'd have been going through the same thing last year as we are now and limping into the, the finals. So I think they do have to do that. Um, and to be honest with you, I think, I this will be controversial, so I want to just put it out there. I think they need to do something about captains. Um, I think this year it has almost been about who you're captain and nothing else, and I kind of think that's shit. I don't have an answer, but I can't, just kind of think it's shit. Like, I just think it's not really the point to have a squad of 25 and that your whole thing is determined on who you captain. Again, it's getting out of hand. The scores are too big and it wrecks weeks where I can beat you with 16 of my players and lose because, but just because Nathan Cleary happens to get 100 this week and Turbo gets 200 and there was no real way to predict that. And you're no better than me for getting the 200, but you just got it by luck. I don't know. It just seems that it's thick. The scores have got too big and it determines the week. Your whole week's determined by that. And, like, why uh, – Magic Round's the great one. I captained t- Turbo and got over 100 and lost 200 points or something compared to people who went the 200 option of Cleary. And th- th- there was no reason for that to make that big of a difference. And it's making that big of a difference every week now. There was way too many scores that were 170-plus. Yeah. And there was too many – there was a number of weeks where it was – 190 plus or let's round it to 200 plus and if you missed out on those like I missed out on a turbo yeah. score that was the the 200 odd five weeks ago whatever it was now oh, I missed out on that and that just killed me and mm. I think I I think I captain Ponga for 40 but there wasn't a, it wasn't like there was a 150 option or 160 option that was a week where if you didn't captain turbo that week you were you were annihilated so I do agree a little bit I don't have an answer either though um, Billy, how do you feel about the captaincies at the moment with what Luke's? I'd like to see no captains at all. I'm not, I'm, I don't like the idea of bullshit luck. Yeah, purely, I, I, purely, see, purely I could because see I spend yeah. 500 hours a year on, on this. Um, it's kind of sick, isn't it? Um, I, I just do it for a hobby. Like I, I look at stats, I look at numbers, and it really, really shits me that you know um, you can have an awesome team, or have yeah, you can actually buy plan, and it comes down to it, and because you picked the wrong captain in the buy plan. Six months of biplaning goes out the window because your one captain gets injured and someone else picks. So, you know, uh, a smoky because they've only got 10 players and all of a sudden they score 200 points more than you just out of, out, of, out of rubbish luck. I don't like it. I'll tell you the other thing that it takes out of it. There is... Every supercoach knows this feeling. One of the best feelings that you can get is the immense amount of enjoyment of hitting a captain that you know, that you thought was going to go right, you're confident in, but you don't know until they do it. You're watching the game with bated breath and they go for like 175 and only 3% are captain them. And you're just, you're cheering the entire weekend. Anything could happen to you and you're still going to have a smile on your face. You don't get that anymore because it's just turbo every time. You know, it's always these stock standard captains and there's always 30% of people on them. And you just don't, you just don't get that enjoyment out of it anymore that you used to. What do you think about what, something like similar to what they did in the finals version, except instead of two times and three times a captain, what about, you know, 1.5 times for your captain and 1.25 times the uh, vice captain? So you get two stabs at it. 
I'm not sure. I, I really don't think that there's a good answer right now. Um, I would say that I'm I'm fine with the captain if maybe more players can come to the turbo level or turbo goes down a bit next year sort of thing. Like if, ter- if it's, if it's like, you know, a dozen players that you could probably choose from without absolutely losing your ass at the bottom of doing it, then I think that it's okay. I think that just this year it became a, a Cleary turbo. And then when Cleary was injured, it was just turbo only. And if you didn't do it, you were gone. That's, that's the issue. I think. It is boring like that, but it's also just hard even amongst them that there's no real skill. Like the the, the magic, not to harp on a magic round because I got it right the other time. There's plenty of times I got the 200, not the 150. Um, for example, I, I didn't loop Cody Walker that week that everyone got tipped yep. by looping him. And, <laughs> the 155. And, 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 yeah, then looped the 155 and got tipped. It's so funny. But it's um th- those sorts of things, though, like the, Cleary was playing the Titans at magic round, and I forget who Turbo had, but they were crap. And the Broncos, it was the Broncos. So, like, there's no reason to, like, it, it wasn't skillful to pick Nathan Cleary instead. There's just nothing in that. Like, they just both had good matchups. And I know that's what captaincy is, but the scores have just got too big. And I'm play overall, so maybe you could say I've just got to know that I'll get some right, some wrong, and that's it. But for head-to-head, it completely wrecks head-to-head altogether, is you may as well not look at your other yeah. 16 players. Like, you may as well not look at them and just say, I'm going to win depending on whether my captain... I won a head-to-head game this year where my captain got 200, and I won by, like, 10 points, and, like, he got 50 as a captain. Like, he beat me everywhere. So, like, those yeah. sorts of things have just made it really skewed. But even in overall, whilst you could say it evened it out, because Billy gets Cleary this week, and I get but I get turbo next week and we come back together. It still wrecks you like your weekend score. We like to look at how we went each week and to compare where we're ranked and to move up and down. And what you're getting now is just this disappointing yo-yo of I nailed a captain. I went up to 1000. Oh, this week I got the 100 captain, not the 170. So I went down a thousand ranks and you're just yo-yoing around, you know, having good, really good and really bad weeks instead of being able to just play well based on having a good team. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll throw one out there that I think has been put up many years prior in different communities and stuff by several people that I never really bought into at all because I didn't think it needed to be tweaked. But I'll throw it up now that years past, it's been mentioned that what if you could only captain one person a season or, or, or you're limited to captain one person for that month of football, you know, that type of thing. So if you could only captain, like... Tom Trevojevic once for that season, you'd have to strategically point out when you're going to do it, when you need that rocket. And then you also have to really look at trying to get some skill up on captaining different people and really paying attention at the numbers and things and matchups, that type of thing. Uh, or even just once a month to make it a bit easier. That's something that's been thrown out years past. Uh, I was never a fan of it, but I mean, at least that's something out of the box that would stop a every week turbo captain. Sure does, but then if you get stuck with the, the, the one week where he goes down, you can't captain him again when he's healthy, so you'll, you fall behind just because he got injured. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit dodgy. I think it'd just be hard to work because you don't start with the same team. You make trades, so like, uh, I don't know, it's just hard to, I know you, you know, you could say you only get to do them once, but it's sort of, it's a bit of a hard situation when you can trade guys in and out, and so I've got, you know, so do you have to have these guys in early and or we'll have them in late? It would just get a bit hard to work. But I'd, I'd like – they won't do anything about it, but I wouldn't mind seeing them do something about it because I think it, it – with the scores of this big, it just is – the whole basis of whether your weekend was good or bad now is coming down to who you captained way too often. 
Yeah, I, look, I agree. Look, my one that I had was trades as well. So me and Luke have spoken about this in depth in the past. I'm a big believer in that the everything's changed. I've mentioned this many times on several discussions, so I won't go over it again. But certainly the trades have to increase next year. We're going to have three buys next year too. There is absolutely no way it doesn't increase. But I would urge Supercoach to think about it a little bit differently. That is the out-of-the-box part of it. Instead of just putting more trades on, if people don't like that, uh, then I think that you can look at having trades for you know that are only allowed to be used for players that are injured if their status on Supercoach is injured or out, uh, and then trades that you can use for any reason you want. And that might be a way to get some extra trades in to help with the outs that we're getting at the moment. But certainly there has to be something done with the trades because I know the counter-argument is going to be from some people, we'll plan better. And that's been a good counter-argument in seasons past, but this season is just everything is up. There is much more player pullouts for various reasons than what there ever has been before. And I've seen the most well-planned sides in the world still have no trades the last three weeks. Um, and you've got guys in the top 10. I think it's something like two or three teams in the top 10 this week fighting it out have 17-plus players. Like, that's that's just insane. And to the point that you mentioned, Luke, that I've mentioned as well, it's just not any fun. Like, the last three or four weeks hasn't been any fun playing Supercoach with no trades and wondering if you can have 14 or 15 players this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I like the idea of the injury trade thing because people say we'll plan better um, and that does take that out of it. If they're injury trade, like if you have, and obviously not unlimited, and it becomes strategic whether you use it. For example, I I traded out Angus Crichton. He was injured or suspended one or the other a couple of weeks into the year and stuff like that. Like it will become, do I want to save that injury trade? Having them, yeah, having them come out of your main trade packet is not about planning because like we talked about the Nicarima, Tohu Harris and SJ situation. And I mean, Nico didn't get hurt, so we'll have to wear that one. But that all these players just left our side. And But I'm sorry, but like Billy and I didn't plan badly by getting in Tohu Harris, Sean Johnson or Cody <laughs> Nicarima. We didn't do anything wrong and they didn't play and you didn't plan better than us because you bought some other second rower that week that wasn't Tohu. That's just not right because your guy could have done the ACL so I don't see how those injury trades would take skill any skill out of the game at all. To put this into perspective as well for other stuff like the Roosters have had three players retired during the year like just gone all of a sudden there's been players like Paul Vaughan who lost their job overnight you're sacked now you're not going to play again like these are (laughs) you've had COVID guys you know where um, you know, people haven't gone into the bubble and are going to miss two weeks on top of whatever else. You know, like, it's just, there is that many external things that it has to be thought about. But, Billy, what would uh, Billy, what would you change? Oh, they're never going to do price changes round one, so I'm just going to go <laughs> to something different. Um, I'd like to see the ability to move players around even after lockout. So, for... So, for instance, um, as an example, um, if I've got, you know, um, uh, a player that's already in my starting team, but I've got him um, on, on the bench as one of my reserves, if if one of my starters gets locked out or injured or something rather before the game and uh, and all of a sudden isn't playing, instead of getting, you know, an, an AE or I, I would actually, or if I actually want to trade, I would actually like to be able to trade someone who hasn't played yet, but still be able to move that player that's already played around. So basically move him from second row to, to center three quarter, if you call it, like still have your score count, but actually be able to move him around so I could use him um, to, to, to make the trade that I want. 
Yeah, there's no reason for them not to have that either because it doesn't have any adverse effect on anything, and it, it's fair. It still like, counts. It, it still counts, and it makes it makes sense for you to be able to do that because you should still be able to manage your team throughout the round. Something similar, um, which I'll finish up on on our review. Um, changing the the dual player status. It's always been a real bugbear in mind because I'm heaps into NBA fantasy, and NBA fantasy will update positions during the year. So if you have a guy that starts as a center only at round, you know, game one and they end up moving to a, a small forward slot, and they play the rest of 70% of the season at small forward. Once they start in small forward for whatever arbitrary amount of games, five in a row, six in a row, they'll they'll get the dual responsibility of a small forward as well as a centre. And because it makes sense, because that's evolving with the season. You know, the season in real life, they started as a centre, and the season evolved, and they end up moving in and becoming a small forward. So why not change that? Um, there's certainly It's certainly very manageable. You know, it, it doesn't take away any position off anyone. So certainly, you know, you're not going to have someone as a front rower who's now considered a second rower that's going to cause problems. They still always keep that front row status. They just gain the second row status. So you get the flexibility and it sort of mimics real life a little bit more. That's another one where I think that they could allow it to give you more flexibility on manoeuvring your team and stuff and have it to real life that I don't think really hurts much. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I tell you, if you're going to go into that flexibility, one other I did have actually was I wondered whether I think you should, I think on your bench, you should be allowed to have some players that don't have to lock into the positions the same way. I, I don't see why I can't have six fullbacks if I just used six bench slots on it and risked the fact that if one of my front rowers went down, I couldn't start anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like why, why do I have to have a bench hooker and, bench second rowers, why can't I just have bench players? They're just playing. That's, that's real out of the box. And that's well, going to be some daredevil stuff well, as well. Why, why, why if you get I, some guys yeah. go down. But why can't I do like, I don't know. Like it, I, it, it bothers me a little bit and I get that it's about strategy and everything else, but don't you think it's kind of weird now that we're not going to, if you look at the top scorers at the end of the year, we won't be able to have half of them because they'll all be fullbacks. Like we've got in a point yeah. where you can't have them at all. And I'm, I'm not saying, all right, well, I probably would stack my bench with all fullbacks and just go YOLO. But, <laughs> but, you know, like, why shouldn't I be able to have some of those? Like, why do I have to have a stinking fourth front row bench player that I don't want and will never play rotting my bench if I want to be like Nuffs and Kay- like Nuffs and Kalen Ponga and Teddy and, like, everyone else and Latrell and everything else? Because, like, they're playing super coach and they're the good scorers and you've still got to strategize who you play in your 17. You've got to have cover because... I run out, I've run totally out of trades a month ago. Um, so I'd be in a fair bit of trouble if I didn't have extra players, but like, why can't I do that on a bench? You, there's no such thing as an NRL bench where you have to pick players in a position. Well, that's, that's a really good point. And it's something that the draft setup has. You don't pick bench players mm. in your draft setup to, to actually score for you, but it is just a four man bench of whatever position you want. So you can have mm. four fullbacks there. If you want four fullbacks to, to sort of stack the bench to, to rotate guys, Billy, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea of that. I also even like the idea of having something similar, where um, similar to the um, the the cricket version, where if um, your centre three quarter is out and you need A, you don't get A anyway. You get A from your centre three quarter position. No, oh, yeah, that's an interesting one too. That's good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that. I d- I just think the thing with that is that with the um, one of having other positions is just that if you look now. We're just missing a lot of the best players can't be bought. Like you literally can't have yeah. the best super coach scoring players in your team because they all play the same position. And it's sort of while we don't want teams to all be the same, it is kind of 
weird that you can't have the best players at all in your team if you wanted them. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with it. Um, I'm not... I think it's something that you could give a lot more thought to and come to a, um, maybe like something... I, I don't mean to go back to NBA, but NBA has um, utility spots on your bench. So... Yeah, it could be like a wild card where you can do it once or twice, maybe not your whole bench or something. Like two, something two utility spots that you can have any position yeah. and the other ones, like you mm. you know, you take away one second rower and one center wing or something and they become two utility spots. Like something like that could be really interesting because it still is the current version, but it gives you a bit more flexibility to have, a, you know, two positionless picks on your bench. Um, and that, that really opens up a lot of the strategies. Well, boys, let's move on to a quick um, take on round 25 because it is a round that is just, well, carnage would put it mildly. You have like guys like the South City Rabbitohs resting most of their side and some of the Eels, among other teams. So we're just going to quickly hit on um, a couple of good captaincy options and some real good pod options that you might want to buy. Uh, I'm I'm going to throw it out there that someone like James Tedesco got 16 points on the weekend. Uh, he went terrible. I don't think many people are going to jump on him, but he's carved the Raiders previously. Um, so starting from the top, he was just one that stands out at the start of the week as a potential reserve, uh, as a potential VC. Uh, Billy, do you think that's a bit crazy? Here's the first game, though, and it's a, ga- it's a round where we don't have as many guns playing. Uh, it's the first game you can get your VC out of the way on a guy that scored 166 a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I think he's sort of an obvious one. Um, if I still had, if I still had Ikevalo, I'd be turned to the chuck of Smokey there, but there's not really anyone's going to score 150 in big turbo, is there? So it's kind of a moot point, but Teddy's the one, one few guys that can actually go 180, 190. Mm, versus Raiders as well. Um, Luke, the second game is someone for you. You've mentioned uh, Braden Trindle many times, uh, and he's continued to go well. He's starting at seven again. He's playing a storm side that is pretty um, pretty close to full strength compared to some other ones. But they do have Cameron Munster out. They didn't look good last week. Um, they might actually end up resting some guys, you know, this game if they can. Uh, and they do have some extended bench there that might even come in and rest guys. Um, what do you think about just bringing a Braden Trindle uh, hand grenade in this week in a must-win game for the Sharks, even though it's against a Storm? Uh, normally, like a month ago, you wouldn't do something like that. But... At the moment, uh, round 25 being what it is, these last rounds always throw up a, a whole heap of curveballs. Well, you might not have done it a month ago, but I remember I came on your pod and told people <laughs> too, and I'm so glad that you remembered it, that I did it because I was about to, uh, I was going to bring him up for you and just remind you that after I said that, he scored 23, 50, 130, and 80. And I'd said he might be worth a look if you want a real hand grenade late season. So I'm claiming that. That's a, I, I'd have taken that spread. The 23 was straight after I said it, so that might have hurt. But um, he, he's gone big a couple of times. Um, no, I wouldn't get on the Sharks. I think uh, Melbourne will have too much for them here. I wouldn't get on the Sharks to win the game, and I wouldn't get on them for super coach. I reckon Melbourne will be fuming about that. And they've still got plenty of players in that side. I, I'd be more tempted to be looking, if you're going to throw a VC or something on, I'd be getting on Nico Hines or Pappenhausen um, to do a job on Cronulla. I really like Nico Hines this week, and I reckon Billy's going to have the VC on him as well. Let me just paint the picture here for Billy, and he can salivate there for 30 seconds, and then he can come on and tell us how to do it. Uh, Nico Hines is starting at six. That's a position he's going to play for Cronulla. He's playing against Cronulla. So he's going to want to come out and impress them, I reckon, and, and do a job on them because it's the side he's going to next year. So there's going to be a bit of pride at stake and everything else. So I, I reckon Nico Hines is in for an absolute 
belter this week versus the Sharkies, Billy? I thought that last time that he played in the halves, but he didn't, it wasn't really sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? It was, wasn't underwhelming, but he wasn't anywhere near his to the pick. Fullback's his position, mate. I don't know how he's going to go in the halves. Um, I did say a couple of weeks ago that I think he's going to go really well because he, he's won 180 game this year, whatever was in the six, but I think someone talked me out of that really quickly, reminding me, me that he actually went back to fullback halfway through that game or something. So, look, he hasn't got he hasn't got the goal kicking. Um, I do think he's going to go well. I just don't think he's going to go as well as fullback. I still think he's going to hit a ton, but I just I don't think he's going to have a massive one. Well, someone who is going to have the massive one, Billy, is going to be pretty much the whole Panthers team <laughs> because they're playing the Eels reserve, reserve grade team, captained by Will Smith, and the only <laughs> real first grader being Blake Ferguson, who just got in the side last week. Who's so, Will Smith? Uh, he, no, I, think he sung, I think he's on a TV <laughs> show called Fresh Prince, and he sung a boom, boom, shake the room song or something. But there was, you know, it's, it's a Panther side that is named at full strength because they obviously want to go for a tilt at the minor premiership still. Um, whether it stays that way by game day, we'll have to wait and see because round 25 is a bit crazy. But uh, look, the standout is, if you if you own Nathan Cleary for this, he is named, he looks like, against his side, even if he only plays half a game, he could throw up 130. But I guess there is that risk that, Nathan Cleary comes off 50th minute or something because they they could they could do Parramatta by 50 looking at these two sides very easy. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But where's the um, Dally Emrys at the moment? When when do they go behind closed doors? Because I'm curious how close so it's over and Cleary. Are. Oh, it's behind closed doors now, so it's going to be out of Cody Walker, Trevojevich, and uh, Cleary. So Cleary will need to have a big one for that. But I mean, admittedly, he could have a big enough one in 40 minutes. It, it went behind closed doors at about halfway, so it won't, won't actually have been that close because Turbo will have then kept scoring. Like it, Turbo's probably win. quite a quite a way behind. Oh uh, um, yeah, and it's, it's true. like and then yep. it's then probably gone three 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 a lot in the middle. So it probably wasn't that close when it went behind. But um, yeah, that's going to be a massacre. And imagine making your grand final having held Cleary through all that break and playing against someone who hasn't helped him because that's that's gonna that's gonna oh, decide God. the whole thing I'd yeah well, <laughs> even these other guys like matt burton and brian Toto are going to absolutely kill this game mm. as well well they're they're up against like are they up against oldfield and ferguson uh no or maybe yeah yes are they yeah yes <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> Well, you see Opa checking Oldfield yeah. in the centres at the same time. That's a real sign, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's look, Billy. Can you see any way that you shouldn't own as many pants as you can in this one? Only if you haven't got your trades. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, people can't pick. Most teams can't pick who they're going to start, but you're going to start Panthers, and I think that the obviously the VC Cleary is in there as well um, as a big option. I'm praying for. Uh... Spencer to get a start. He's currently, he's currently, he's currently, I think he's currently uh, 18th or 19th man. I, well, I'm praying he gets on the bench, doesn't carry out. And I could use that too. A, Look, yeah. it's, you know, the, the Broncos Knights, it's really, you're hoping Caelan Pong is going to go well, but he didn't go that well against the Broncos last time they played. And, you know, with obviously Turbo the next game, he's going to be the captain. Turbo's playing the Cowboys. Um, now, it's, is there any way that you can't, see him like maybe a VC if you want to be a bit sneaky but like the games after it aren't too fantastic either well all I was going to say is that you could if you've got a captain option after and that you might not have one because the Rabbitohs were the option and they've sort of rested their whole team um, or all the players you would captain anyway I think there is an 
argument if you've got less for 17 of trying to get a leg up by vice-captaining Turbo just so if he went crap, you could get a jump if you've got someone to captain after. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if, if you're going to get to loop him anyway, everyone will captain him. Maybe you should just VC him because if he gets a concussion, you can actually just jump 100 points on the whole comp by captaining someone else. That's all I'd say. If you've got under 17... Why not VC him just to take the chance that he does shit? I mm. guess the counter argument for that, Billy, is that you might miss out on um, one of the better VC options at the start of the round. Ignore me. I'm just trying. To, I'm just imagining how much of a thrashing this game is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he, I mean, that's going to be the thing, right? Like, you might end up with a. Uh, are you really going to take option. it though? Are you, are you going to take a VC before Turbo? Like, what's he going to have to score for you to take it? Like, do you, like seriously, the way he's playing, what? Yeah, was, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, under 17 players, you're not going to take your VC option. Like, you're going to wait for Turbo. And given that you can just VC him, if you've got someone after, why not just do it? Because 50% of the comp could get zero if he HIA's. Yeah, I'm 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 doing VC turbo. I'm I'm not even going to bother the Hines or people like that because the only way, the only way you are not going to captain um, uh, Trebovic straight out is if your VC goes 300. Turbo's still going to go insane. So there's much more, there's much less risk in VC and turbo and going. You know what? Um, He's only scored 100. I'll take I'll take a. Well, he got injured, so I'll 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 take like a pain half type sort of 80 or something like that. Well, I guess the Cleary 225 could come up, and that would be one of the few that you could maybe go for, because that Parramatta team just looks awful. But look, the other the other one in this one, as far as the trade-ins go, if you haven't been able to trade Daly Cherry Evans in and you've got one tra- trade left, trade him in. 132 last week after we said the last two games are going to be golden for him, and he, he could very well go 132 again this week. He's he's a great... Like, he's not really a smoky-smoky, but he's not heavily owned either, so I think he's a great one for this one. Um with Cleary VC, what's your friend zone? What's the number that makes you go, oh, I'm not sure if I should take that or go turbo still? See, it feels really stupid saying it because, like, two years ago, people would have said, oh, why would you bother VCing anyway? Then you don't, don't even do it because, you know, if you're not going to take 130 points, which oh, I would have been one of those people that said that, but I'm probably not going to be comfortable unless it's, like, 170. Um, but I do I do look at that eel side and think, oh, he could get 170 by half time. So, uh, you know, it's he could very well be a 170 player this week, yeah. Cleary. I'd loop 170. I wouldn't loop 150 even with Turbo playing the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah agree. Yeah, I'm probably on that too. Look, Rabbits, Dragons, I tell you what, I, let me just say when we're doing a season review, in round 25 I never thought Matthew Fienai was a guy that I would have loved having in my side because it meant that I could start four centre wings. <laughs> I would have absolutely slapped myself silly and, and knocked myself out because, but that's the case that I'm in now, you know, with this dragon side and some of the, some of the young guys that are playing in it, I'm actually banking on to have 14 players. Uh, this South Sydney side has, has named nobody. Um, so there isn't really anyone in this that you could really take a stab at. I am going to say as a completely off the wall pod option, um, firstly, I think the Dragons are going to do Souths, and that's really good value on the betting markets. But Ravalawa did some great stuff last week, and he's playing a pack line that is very inexperienced here for Souths. Uh, I I think that he's uh, no way he doesn't score a try this week. He scored 90 points with his two tries last week. If you had a, a, a bit of a smoky trade to make in your centre wing to get someone in, 
he's sub 500k, so maybe you've got a bit of a budget. You know, he's a smoky that I'm going to throw in there for a bit of a round 25 special that's a complete anomaly. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, if we're going to talk about things that you might have wanted to slap yourself silly about, why is Jared Beal playing for the Dragons? Like, I'm just trying to remember when that <laughs> happened and why that's happening. But, um, yeah, um, Mr. Ravalawa, I, I, I reckon he's been pretty good. You could have got on him for a few times this year for a bit of a smoky. And, yeah, um, if you have a trade, I really hate you, but use it on that. It's not a bad idea. Billy, Titans versus Warriors. Um, when we're talking about the who you're going to see afterwards if you're VC Turbo. Uh, we do have David Fafita, you know, on the bench again. Um, but it has looked pretty dodgy a couple of times where he hasn't done anything the first half when he's been on for nine minutes and stuff. But then he's come in and he scored his mandatory try and whatever. Uh, against the Titans, I mean, against the Warriors, um, this could be a must-win game for the Titans to make the eight. Uh, look, it's, I'm backing him in for a try again here. Do you think that he's the option that you can go after Turbo just for a C for Fafita? Uh, he's one of the limited options that you would have left. Um, I'm just not sure. If, uh, I'm not sure if I would prefer him or someone that's actually still playing 80 minutes. But I don't think I could do Aitken because uh, you think he's got a, a base of 60, but will somehow somehow put up like a 40 something last week. Um, yeah, look, for feet off the bench is the most dangerous spot to score. You know, 10 points and tackle bust in in, in 30 seconds for you. So. It's not really the safest option, given that even if Turbo does get injured, he's still going to score, what, you know, 70 points just in sort of you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, it, it would depend if Turbo goes down that you'd go the feeder route if you had the VC on Turbo. But I will say out of all the games that that um, Fafita scores a try, even when he scores his singles, there's only one of them that he hasn't gone 80-plus. Uh, he normally goes 80-plus when he scores a try. So you're going to have a pretty good benchmark and if he scores a double he's tutting up for sure and he's tunned up with a single try a couple of times as well so I don't mind that one if you have to go the VC for turbo and do that strategy it's a good throw at the stumps if you're in a grand final and your opposition has got turbo straight out and has got him with a 70 that's the guy that's left that might get 130 even off the bench because he can score hat tricks in five minutes he doesn't need 80. Obviously, if he gets 80, it's more likely he gets a hat-trick. Let's not kid ourselves, but he gets hat-tricks in quick time and tries in quick time, and he's playing a Warriors team with not much to play for that's pretty flaky. If if Turbo doesn't go huge and you can win your grand final by someone just turning up and turning on for you, I I, I definitely would give him a go if Turbo goes low. The only flaw there is you just need to make sure you've got a a buy plate left that you can uh, put the the C on otherwise. Yeah, if you should have Dewey or, Dewey or Walker at 5.8, and a lot of people have stuff like that. There should be something, like, by, yeah. unfortunately, um, I won't have to worry about that because I have no 5.8, and, you know, but most people should have something like that, I think, hopefully. <laughs> yep. But you're right. That's a good point. You should check for that. Um, so the last game is uh, the Dogs and the Tigers. What a great game to finish off the last round of the season on. The, the Bulldogs versus the Tigers in a game that means absolutely nothing with two teams that are terribly underperforming. You, you could not plan any better NRL. Uh, and I dare say that you could have foresaw this early in the season or even early in the planning stage. But there isn't much in this one. I am just going to throw out there that we uh, mentioned the Bulldogs edge the entire season. It almost always pays off. The last time Luciano Lelua played against the Bulldogs, edge was only round 21, and he scored 105 points. He's only scored, scored five tries this year. One of them was against the Dogs' edge. Oh, I back him in for another 100 points this week. So if you had to get a back rower, 
Uh, I'm going to back him in as, you know, go for that one this week against that Bulldogs edge because the Bulldogs edge just keeps paying dividends. And we chatted about that before the Bulldogs game, Billy, and, and he did exactly what we said last time. So you'd think that this time it's not a bad one if you have to get a second rower in. Yeah, he's not a bad option. He's pretty aggressive. Um, and the so the dogs are obviously playing for solid last last spot. Are the Tigers playing for ninth? No, this is actually a, well, a, too far a stunning season where they're not going to get ninth. Ooh, so no, not even a mathematical equation they're done. Yep. Mm, shame, no Dewey. Uh, I, I do you reckon? You reckon? Um, Brooks has the capability of actually getting it that far right? No. Uh, I don't think Brooks has much ability at all, really, if I'm being honest. Look, it's, you know, that's, it's probably a good way to finish off our season, to, to, trying to talk about the Tigers and Bulldogs in a supercoach or real-life perspective is really tough. So let's just cut mm. it there. Don't don't <laughs> watch the game. Don't get any of the players in and just forget it ever happened. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if I'm going to have a bet in this game, I'm going to put I'm going to put ten bucks on Jake Simpson anytime try scorer. See if he gets something off the bench. You got to get some real good odds on that on top sport, especially being a benchy. Billy, Luke, thanks very much for jumping on, boys. It was a pleasure. The, the first three-way pod of the season, and I think it was a success. A big season review. A lot to talk about. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Billy, thanks for jumping on all year when you have, mate. I've appreciated it. I hope you've enjoyed yourself in your season. Yeah, it's always fun, mate. We should do a three-way uh, pre-season sometime. Definitely think so as well. Luke, likewise for you. Best of luck with the Knights and stuff. Hopefully you don't pull your hair out too much. But, um, yeah, you can make a tilt at the top 1,000 still, at least, if you have a massive round, I guess. Uh, if, if, if Turbo goes HIA and David Fafita goes 200, I might get myself back in there, so he's open. <laughs> well, thanks for jumping on all of you, mate. I look forward to doing the pre-season ones with you as well. Sounds good, mate. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, so Luke's obviously one of the co-hosts of the Cemetery podcast as well, so do give the Rugby Leg Cemetery a listen. It's always a fantastic podcast to jump on, listen to some commentary on some old games that they review, which is a lot of fun. Uh, me... Billy, Luke, and some of the other All-Stars will be back on the podcast in the off-season to talk about the off-season team previews like we always do. And it'll be really enjoyable, and I can't wait for that to kick off. But I am going to enjoy a break across the finals and everything. Big announcement to make, though. If you do want to hear me on uh, any other podcast, or you do get bored when the NRL season finishes, I'm going to be launching a brand-new podcast. It's going to be a basketball podcast focusing on NBA uh, not fantasy, actual basketball news on NBA and talking NBA, but also talking Australian basketball and NBL as well. And I'm going to be having a co-host of that under the name of Jamie Soward, who you might know as a retired footballer, who loves his NBA as well. And I think he even proposed to his missus at an NBA game. So if you want to hear me and Jamie Soward talk basketball, that's going to be a new podcast that I'm going to be launching in about four weeks' time. And you look out for it because I'll definitely be promoting it and let you guys know on Twitter when it's up and going. But it should be a really fun one. If you like basketball, jump on it. Uh, it'll, It'll be great listening to me and Jamie go back and forth and talking about the season before it launches on October 20. Aside from that, if you want to download this podcast and listen to it, make sure that you do it on either iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. I'll still be active during the finals and everything else to chat to people. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. 
Certainly, if you do want to have a bet, you can put in our promo code all year round of SC All Stars into Top Sport, and Top Sport will take great care of you. I really appreciate all the support all year, though, guys. Thanks for listening, even if it was one or two pods or if it's the whole season. Love you all. Best of luck for this round 25 and for the grand finalists in head-to-heads. And have a really good off-season. Put your feet up for finals footy. Enjoy yourself without any super coach. Hopefully, you'll be salivating for the pre-season ones. And I'll catch you all again when we start launching those towards the end of the year or January. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.